Vande Sri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sorito Gaurudai Pushpavanto Chitro Sandhutamunudo He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dina Bandhu Jagatpate Gopisha Gopika Kantarada Kandanamostute Tapta Kanchan Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavan Nishwari Vishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Shri Gauri Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai Shri Chaitanya Charitamrita Ki Jai Shri Krishna Skaviraj Goswami Mahasaya Ki Jai Desi Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada Ki Jai Bhakti Rakshak Siddhadeva Goswami Maharaj Ki Jai Shri Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada Ki Jai Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanandi We're continuing our reading from Chaitanya Charitamrita. And today we begin chapter 20. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu instructs Sanatana Goswami. The previous chapter we heard Chaitanya Mahaprabhu instruct Rupa Goswami at, in, in, uh, in Prayag, famous place of the confluence of the Saraswati, the Ganga, and the Jamuna, three sacred rivers of India. And departing from there, he headed to Varanasi, or Banares. And it is in that place that he stopped, if you, if you recall, on his way to Vrindavan. And there he had some interaction with the Mayabadis, Personalists headed by Prakashananda Saraswati. Now he's returning from Vrindavan, so he's coming back to Banaras. And while he will deal comprehensively with uh, Prakashananda Saraswati and his group and, and convert them all, he also meets Sanatana Goswami there and instructs him. And the instructions of Mahaprabhu to Sanatana Goswami go into con- considerable more uh, de- it's considerable more depth of information than what was related to Rupa Goswami. Sanatana Goswami, of course, is in one sense the architect of the Sampradaya. He he conceived of the, the structure of the Sampradaya and gave its its procedures and methodology and by drawing from different texts and so forth he he put together the uh, the standards of behavior the modes of conduct the uh, modes of dress and i guess i say methods of practice and and so on and so forth and of course the underlying basic uh, philosophy as well and we're learning a verse, uh, I'm giving a verse every week that you're learning on the top of Vivek, or at least you have the opportunity to learn it. And the verse this week comes from Bhagavatam, 11th canto. Krishna Varnam Tisakrishnam Sangupangashtrapashadam Yagnaisan Kirtana Prayayadantihi Sumedasa. It's a very important verse that was explained by Sanatana Goswami 
because it had never been explained before to reveal uh, that it was speaking about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And this is kind of the key, in a sense, to his whole Sanatana Goswami's explanation of of Srimad Bhagavatam, which is uh, the, the original Gaudiya explanation of Srimad Bhagavatam given by Sanatana Goswami. He was, uh, as we've already heard previously in the narrative, he and Rupa Goswami had both given up the service to the uh, governor that they were involved in and had decided to follow Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They were well situated in the government, like uh, like senators. And it's analogous to, to the position of a senator in the United States. Very uh, prestigious, influential position they had in Bengal society. And they gave that up to follow uh, the mendicant, the renunciate, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This so much moved their nephew, the young Jiva, he was only your age or younger, that he also gave up the whole world and uh, shaved his head and followed his, his uncles and, uh, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, at any rate, it was not easy for them to extricate themselves from the, from the, from the government. It wasn't like they could just resign. In that sense, it wasn't analogous to being a senator, but they were working for the Muslim government and the, and, and the, and the, uh, leader was, uh, somewhat, uh, in some senses unscrupulous and so forth. And so at any, at any rate, Rupa Goswami imagined, managed to go, but Sanatana Goswami was more influential and he was, uh, had remained in Bengal and stopped coming to work on the plea of being sick, but it was found out that actually he was sitting at home with, and surrounded himself by many pundits, learned people, and they were discussing Srimad Bhagavatam. So he was already charmed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and developing his Bhagavat commentary and understanding, centered as it was around the significance of the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when he found this verse that we're learning in Bhagavatam as, as a very powerful evidence for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as being Krishna and uh, and at the same time the inaugurator of the Dharma for the Yuga, for the age of Kali, that being Sankirtan, the congregational chanting. So you can give a wonderful explanation of that, that verse. And in this way he, as I mentioned, gave the seminal commentary for the Gaudiyas on Bhagavatam Although Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepted the commentary of Sridhar Swami, which was done much, much, much earlier and before the forming of his Sampradaya, Sanatana Goswami's Tikka or commentary is, is uh, overtly uh, Gaudiya in every way, where Sridhar Swami is not. It, 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 it was appreciated by Mahaprabhu because it, it embraces a theistic understanding of Bhagavatam rather than a monistic understanding. You understand the difference between theistic and monistic, between a personal and impersonal, you could say, understanding. 
Um, but obviously, as I say, Chaitanya uh, Sanatana Goswami's commentary developed that into a fully uh, full-fledged, as in language of Shri Marsh, full-fledged theistic conception leading to Krishna Bhakti with emphasis on Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's position. This is a very key verse to the whole Sampradaya and the whole understanding of Srimad Bhagavatam, which comes to, uh, brings the understanding to, to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself. If you study carefully, this is what Sridhar Maharaj did. He was, he was described by his guru, Bhaktisthana Sastri Thakur, as being Shastra Nipuna. He lived inside these books and studied very carefully uh, it means scriptural genius. He was a scriptural genius. And what conclusion did he reach? After being serving his Gurudev in the preaching mission during his Gurudev's presence and so forth, after his absence, as time got on, then to get down to the serious uh, business of, of uh, uh, bhajan uh, in her life of contemplation and practice, he, he settled in Navadweep and with the deity of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. His Ishtadevata was Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And of course, then Radha Govinda is there, but, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Radha Govinda, but not, he didn't worship them exclusive of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, this is really the, the, the secret of the secrets. And it's, it's interesting, because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is obviously the giver of Krishna Bhakti. In that sense, he's he's worshipable. But sometimes um, we think more of Krishna as the deity of Krishna consciousness than as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is if you, if you, if you, a careful analysis, very very sumedasa. Who this is what the verse of Bhagavatam that you're learning this week says. Who, who has sumedasa? Medasa means intelligence. Sumedasa means very fine. Intelligence. Shudra Mars described it as the fine type of uh, quality of intelligence, a quality of intelligence that has been shaped, colored by Sukriti, Bhakti Sukriti, over over many lifetimes. Involvement, like I was explaining to you the other day, knowingly or unknowingly, in Bhakti, it forms a certain psychology and type of intelligence and so forth that we can just grab onto this and understand it and then take advantage of it. So who has sumedasa, very fine theistic intelligence formed by Sukriti. It makes one's intellect and psychology predisposed towards the worship of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Who has this? They worship him in Sankirtan. They make him the their Ishtadevata, their deity. And as we many times said, worship Mahaprabhu, Sri Chaitanya in Navadweep, live in Vrindavan. This is the... This is the secret. This is the way to enter there. There is no other way to enter there. Sometimes devotees ask, well, should I, should I think of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu or of Krishna? And our reply is, you cannot think of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and not think of Krishna. Try to understand who he is. <laughs> There's no possibility of really thinking about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu without thinking of Krishna. So that's, that's the answer. <laughs> Think of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Automatically you'll think of Krishna. So, Sanatana Goswami, um, uh, he is the architect of the Sampradaya. He comp comp compiled 
with the help of Gopal Bhatta Goswami, the Hari Bhakti Vilas, where all the, let's say, all the conduct and procedures and so forth of Gaudi Vaishnavism are given. So Mahaprabhu gave him considerable instruction at Banaris. His uh, work, literary contribution, is much about giving us a conceptual orientation, a proper conceptual orientation. What do we call that? Sambandagyan. Sambandagyan means knowledge. So Sambandha means relationship. It means the knowledge of what's what. What's the world? What am I? What's my relationship with the world? What's my relationship with God? What's the relationship between the world and God? How to have conceptually orient yourself in terms of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So this is uh, this Sambandagyan is under the um, is part of what we call Vaidhi Bhakti. Vaidhi Bhakti means that bhakti that is governed by scripture, the, the motivation to engage in bhakti that arises out of the scriptural statements that say, if you don't do this, it won't be good for you. If you do do this, this will be good for you. And, and the law, so to speak, of the scripture that uh, the bhakti that is that arises out of the motivation is motivated based on such reading of scripture and the, and the logic. It's like I'm speaking to you, I give you the logic of Gaudiya Vaishnavism and then you're inspired by that. This is, uh, this is all uh, in the realm of what we call uh, Vaidhi Bhakti. The, the ideal of Gaudiya Vaishnavism is what we call Rag Bhakti which is a kind of a free-flowing, above-law type of uh, engagement in, uh, in, in spiritual culture, it, the motivation being, therefore, love. So we don't have much love for Krishna, but we can understand logic why we should love Krishna and what the benefits are and why it's important, why it's the right thing to do, and, and so on and so forth. So, based on that, we can get an orientation. We can even get the logic of why Raghunuga Bhakti is the ideal. And in the very rudimentary sense, we can say we're following the Rag Marg. We want that kind of bhakti, the kind of bhakti in Vrindavan where the devotees, they don't even care or know that Krishna is God. They just love Krishna. They don't think about it. They don't think that, well, I should get up and serve Krishna. See, we think I should get up, I should serve Krishna, I should go to the Mongol art. Maybe it's a little hard to get up, but I should do it. It's the right thing to do. Hmm? This is Vaidhi Bhakti. But we can say we are following the Rag Mark because this is where our tradition goes and, and, and this is our, also our motivation. So we want that kind of Bhakti. We, we want to reside in in Vrindavan amongst uh, Radha and Krishna and all the cowards, people, and that kind of carefree life of, of seva and self-sacrifice that, that, that love is about. But our, we cannot just jump there. So we're, we're uh, kind of an, an apprentice type of uh, orientation to rag bhakti that under scrutiny can be called Vaidhi Bhakti, because of the nature of the motivation that that that, uh, that drives us at this point.
But if if our goal remains that rag bhakti, then we can move naturally from this vaidhi type of motivation into rag bhakti. Now it should be it should be made clear here that there is an entirely different school of Vaishnavism that advocates vaidhi bhakti and the goal of vaidhi bhakti. They, they 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 aren't interested in going to Goloka to bring to Krishna. They want to go to Vaikuntha, where Narayan is worshipped with you know, in awe and, and reverence. Narayan is a particular expression of Krishna. So when we say that we're doing Vaidhi Bhakti, we're not doing Vaidhi Bhakti with that aim in mind. We're doing Vaidhi Bhakti because we have no eligibility for anything else. We don't have spontaneous love for Krishna. But we embrace the logic of why we should. And because our motivation is based on that logic and those type of scriptural injunctions as to the virtues of Rag Marg, then our orientation is, is, is Vaidhi, but a you know, Vaidhi orientation towards Rag Nuga. Do you follow what I'm saying? So sometimes people will say to you, well, if you follow Vaidhi Marg, then you have to go to Vaikuntha. Therefore, you should follow the Rag Marg. But you have to say, yeah, but we have to be qualified to follow the Ragmar. We, we, we do, we follow it in an apprenticeship type of, type of way. That's the idea. And, now, Sanatana Goswami. Who could be a, a better example of Ragmar Bhakta than Sanatana Goswami? But Mahaprabhu taught him so many things, uh, uh, and, and, and based on those things that we'll hear in this, 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 uh, this chapter, he wrote many books, all, for the most part, emphasizing in, in, in the, the, the Sambandagyan. And this is all in the realm of Vaidhi Bhakti. Rupa Goswami, whose teachings, wh- whom Mahaprabhu taught in the previous chapter, he takes the Sambandagyan of Sanatana Goswami and says to us, largely in his writing, that, well, this is the conceptual orientation and it mandates particular type of action. So this is the action that follows this type of orientation. It's bhakti. And then he explains the whole uh, system of bhakti, bhakti rasa, and, and so forth. There's a verse of Rupa Goswami, of, of, of Raghunath Das Goswami. He says, Nama shrestam apisachiputra matra sarupam tasyagrajatam urupurim maturim goshtavatim radha kundam giribaram bohoradika maravasya. He offers his respects to his guru, Chidamarsh gave a nice translation of that with regard to what we're discussing. He said, Namashrestam, oh my Gurudev has given me the best, the highest conception of the name. Namashrestam, Apisachiputram, that was given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the son of Sachi. Namashrestam, Apisachiputram, Atrasvarupam, reference to Sarup, Damodar, the secretary of Mahaprabhu. And Tasyagrajatam, Urupurim, Matarim, uh, he says that, and he's introduced me to the work, the life example, the writing of Sanatana Goswami, and all this Vaidhi Bhakti conceptual orientation, and and uh, uh, navigated my course from there to the rag of uh, teaching of Rupa Goswami in this way. So. We shouldn't, one, think, oh, Sanatana Goswami is only Vaidhi Bhakta. 
or now should we now that we should think of writing bhakti has no application for ourselves it, it does architect then gives the foundation the structure so Sanatana Goswami very much has given this it's very important for us so so many of these things that his works are based upon are given in the seed form in this chapter very important chapter long chapter and Krishna Kaviraj begins with a nice verse. He says, One day, Nantad Bhutaish Vardyam Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhum Nichopi Yat Prasadat Syad Bhakti Shastra Pravartakaha. He says, One day, I offer my respect, my obeisances to uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhum, whom he describes as Nantad Bhutta Ishvaram. Adbhutaishvaram anuntam. He says he's an anunta, unlimited. Adbhuta, wonderful. Aishvarjam, full of uh, uh, majesty, glory, opulence. Who has, uh, is, is, who is uh, unlimited, wonderful, uh, and uh, uh, Majestic, opulent. He has unlimited, wonderful opulences. So he's, he's, this is a way to pray, the way, the proper way to pray. We, uh, identify our deity, glorify him, and then make some type of, uh, petition. So his petition, in a sense, he says, Nichopi, Yat Prasadat said, Bhakti Shastra Pavartaka. Obviously, he's writing the book about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We want to say something about him. He state, in his prayer, he states the position of the Lord, glorifies him, he states his own position. You are Anandad Buddha Ishwaryam, and I'm Nicho. Nicho Pijat Prasadat said. Nicho means very low, the low very low, very insignificant, low person, and you are the person of unlimited, wonderful opulences, and I'm nothing. But he says that that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who is unlimited, had unlimited, wonderful opulences, yet prasadat said, by his mercy, one as low as me, it, for, for someone as low on me, as me, it becomes uh, possible that he can bhakti shastra pravartaka, he can uh, explain the teachings of the bhakti shastra. So we know our efforts to do that, to explain the bhakti shastra, then we shall always think of our uh, capacity to be successful is dependent upon mercy of the guru and goranga. And it's appropriate that it's such a verse here because Bhakti Shastra Pravartaka, this is what what Sanatana Goswami has done, Bhakti Shastra Pravartaka. He, and you'll see, uh, uh, we hear also later in this chapter, the same, almost same words coming from the mouth of Sanatana Goswami, Swami, Nicha Chati, Nicha Sanghi, Patita Adham, Kubishai. He, 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 he tells Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, I'm low-born, Nija Jati, Nija Sangi, bad association, Patita Adham, uh, I'm uh, uh, fallen, Kubishai, I'm just a materialist, he deprecates himself, 
in every way. Um, and, and this way he prostrates himself before Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is his actual feeling. When the insignificant, infinitesimal soul comes close to the infinite, how will it feel? It will feel what, it, what is unlimited, what is, what is uh, infinite, and what am I? And it's, it's ironic because their closeness creates a distance. You follow? Mm-hmm. When you become close to the infinite, then you feel how distant you actually are. That's why we hear great devotees who we think, who we worship and think have attained the ideal, but they're saying in their prayers, oh, I'm very fallen, I'm nothing, I'm insignificant. And we're thinking, well, how can they say that? They're exalted. But this is, this is one of the reasons, because this is the experience. Experience is that by closeness, whatever it may be, it's by mercy, they're actually in touch with Ananta, Adbhuta, Aishwaryam, Madhuryam, all these things. So these very uh, uh, words of Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami at the opening, they really um, for, um, are the same thing that Sanatana Goswami himself said to Mahaprabhu. Here he has the task of explaining this conversation uh, that took place that gave birth to uh, Bhakti Shastra Pavartaka, this explanation, wonderful explanation of the Shastras given by Sanatana Goswami. And I'm telling you, it's masterful what he did. Srinivas uh, Acharya wrote a nice poem. What did he say? Nana Shastra Vicharana That these... Uh, Goswamis, Rup, Sanatan, Jiva Goswami, the six Goswamis, legendary six Goswamis of Vrindavan, Nana Shastra Vicharana Kanipanosa Dharma Samastapako, Lokanam Hitakarano Tribhuvane Manyo Sharanya Karo. That they very scrutinizingly studied all the scriptures and they drew out of that the essential meaning and they compiled the Gaudiya Bhakti Shastras. Their, our, our own shastras, so to speak, or showed us with their writings how to read all the scriptures and how it's all speaking about bhakti and ultimately the bhakti of the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu embodied. It's actually incredible. If you study their writing, you'll just be absolutely uh, overwhelmed by the, the depth of their insight and and, uh, and the, the, the the breadth of their uh, their reading and, and understanding. I remember when I first uh, studied the Tattva Sandarbha, I, th- I, fe- I felt like that. I thought, oh, and then, and then this, I endeavored to make an edition available. And this is the kind of response that I get from the devotees that read it. They go, wow, this is Jiva Goswami wrote the Sat Sandarbha. Tattva Sandarbha is the first of, of the six, Sat means six, six treaties on Srimad Bhagavatam that he wrote. And they write and they say, oh my God, this is Jiva Goswami, what, who he was, what was his contribution, how he went about so systematically explaining everything. It's overwhelming. Yeah, these are, the, these are our, we call our Shastra Gurus. They've given the Shastra, the, the Bhakti Shastras for us, the, the scriptures. Shastra means scripture. Bhakti Shastra. An incredible task. They were greatly in, in, empowered for this this kind of work. And so here, Krishna Skabiras Goswami is going to explain 
the meeting between Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Sanatana Goswami that gave rise to all of the, the, the writings of of Sanatana Goswami. So he's saying in the same way, I, I'm low and I'm fallen and uh, I have to describe about this. It's possible, but it's possible because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is who he is, merciful as he is. Then he says, as he does in every chapter, Jai Jai Sri Chaitanya Jai Nityananda Jai Dvaita Chandra Jai Gaur Bhaktarinda Glories to Sri Chaitanya, glories to Nityananda Prabhu, glories to Advaita Acharya and all glories to all the devotees of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Eto Godesh Sanatan Ache Bandishale Sri Rupa Gosani Patri Alahinu Kale This is Sanatana Goswami at this time was imprisoned in Bengal and at that time a letter arrived from Rupa Goswami. So we heard about this earlier as I mentioned. Sanatana Goswami had stayed away from uh, his uh, service in the government on the pretense of being ill but he was actually studying Srimad Bhagavatam and the governor returned and found out about this, and, and protested, and not you know, someone says, do, do what you will, I'm not going back to work. Do what you want to do. So he imprisoned him, put him in jail. And um, you may recall that in the previous chapter, when Mahaprabhu met Rupa Goswami, he asked about Sanatana, where is Sanatana the elder of Rupa Goswami, where is Sanatana Goswami, what is his situation, and so forth. And Rupa Goswami gave some kind of partial explanation, and Mahaprabhu revealed that he actually knew by his omniscience that he was in jail and so forth. But he said soon he will be coming. So apparently, here according to the text, Rupa Goswami wrote a letter to Sanatana Goswami. He had gone ahead to join Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and he wrote back more or less saying that in a, in a mystic way he said, actually that letter is. Uh, cited here, a poem, a note, mentioned in a particular book, Prophet cites it, Yadupate kwa gata maturapuri, ragupate kwa gatotara koshala, itibi chintya kurushvamanastiram na sad idam jagad iti abadharaya. He had to write in some kind of a code also, because the political situation was such that the Muslims were, were governing in Bengal and they were also governing in Vrindavan and, and along the way. So uh, they tolerated Hinduism, some scope for it. But uh, these two were wanted. They had escaped from the government service. They had the government service, but it was not something that they could just retire from if they wanted to without the, the, the threat of imprisonment or, or uh, being beheaded that matter so they were uh, they were fugitives fugitives from the law for the sake of pursuing their their spiritual ideal therefore Sanatana Goswami wrote it as I say in a coded way that only someone like Sanatana Goswami could understand he said where is has the Mathura Puri of Yadupati gone where has the northern koshala of Raghupati gone? By reflection, make the mind steady, thinking, this universe is not eternal. 
This is what he wrote. <laughs> so, Sanatana Goswami could understand, and immediately he he said he, he understood this. The time is now. I must make a break from here somehow. I must get out. Mahaprabhu's mission is going on, and I'm a part of that, a big part of that. So, Patrapana Sanatan Anandita Hila Javana Rakshak Pasha Kohite Lagila. When Sanatan received the note from Rupa Goswami, he became very pleased. He immediately went to the jail superintendent, who was a mediator, and spoke to him as follows. Tumi eka jinda pira mahabhagyavan kretova koran shastre ache tomar gyan. Now this is, this is the, this is a very, uh, high philosopher. Sanatana Goswami and theologian, devotee, and influential person in the government. In other words, from a material point of view, he was a very uh, elevated uh, person of high society. From his birth as a a, a sophisticated Hindu Brahmin, his position in the government, uh, his knowledge of culture and foreign countries, language and politics and so forth was vast, his knowledge of the scripture was vast, he was a philosopher and above and beyond all of this he was a very extraordinary devotee speaking to the jailkeeper. And there's not a oftentimes there's not a big gulf of large gulf of difference between jailkeepers and those who are in jail. By by your Sangha, by your association you'll be known. You find that often the jailkeepers are as corrupt as the as the, those who are in jail. So this is who he's talking to. And it's said that when you talk, when dealing with thieves, you have to be a thief. When dealing with politicians, you have to be a politician if you're to be successful. So he says, "Dear sir, sir," he says, "Tumi eka jindo piro." Mahabhagyavan, he says, you are a very saintly person, he tells him, and greatly fortunate. Ketabu Koran Shastra, you have full knowledge of the Koran, which is the Shastra of the Muslims. Ketabu Koran Shastra Ache, Tomar Gyan. You have your knowledge of the Shastra and similar books is, is, is comprehensive. He's complimenting him, praising him. That will get his attention. Oh, you think that of me. Ekko bandi chade yadi nijya dharma dekhiya sangsar hoite tare mukta korin goshana. He says, if, if one releases a conditioned soul or imprisoned person, according to religious principles, he himself is also released from material bondage by God. So basically he's saying, he's speaking kind of in a double talk to him, he's saying, if one is engaged in the service of releasing someone from material bondage, that person himself becomes liberated. That's good information for us. If we can work for the, what Mahaprabhu called the parupakar, the, the transcendental welfare of others, that will ensure our transcendental well-being. And that's like putting money in the bank. Helping other people to become Krishna conscious is, 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 is like buying real estate in Goloka.
that's the method. So, this is really what he says to the fellow, but he, he allows the fellow to interpret it to mean, oh, if you let somebody out of jail uh, who, who wants to practice uh, religion, then you can, you can get salvation yourself. He doesn't enti- he just kind of, we call it white lies, he's kind of stretching the truth here a little bit. And, and this is, um, there's a place for that as we discussed to some extent last night. There's a place for um, rules should be understood well enough that we may know when it is appropriate to break them. The rules are not in and of themselves. The a life, let's say, ruled by by law is can never be the ideal. We are you know, people are fond of wanting to make all the laws, make it all just, and all so, so forth, but. The ideal life can never be one ruled by law. The law is 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 restricting tendencies in us that are inappropriate. And we have to do away with those tendencies. We rise above law. That's so ideal life is above the law. The moral life can never be the ideal life, and as much as we try to make it, we'll be we'll be, uh, uh, we'll, we'll be unsuccessful. But morality has value. It's, a, it's kind of given, it's an accepted by the Vedantist. Relative as it is, unless it has value, and as much as the moral life uh, serves as a, a, a found, a, 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 an appropriate foundation from which to pursue the spiritual life. And that's what gives it value. <laughs> Otherwise it doesn't have, if it, just in and of itself, and there are moralists, obviously, who believe it, don't believe it, or accept the transcendental reality. And Krishna consciousness comes to save us from that uh, extreme, uh, absolute um, moral type of conviction that the be-all and end-all is in, in moral life. It's not. It's not the normal life. It's a life where certain illicit tendencies inappropriate tendencies if 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 not checked will will cause a disturbance so that the moral life is to check those tendencies we on the other hand fully embrace the moral life and we we give it we we, we give it full meaning and value because only because it serves as a foundation, as I say, out of which the spiritual experience can arise. That, that in that sense, it has value. So we we both embrace it, and we both reject it at the same time. And the moralist fully embraces it and re, and, and rejects uh, transcendence. So and no better example of this could be uh, than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself. And he was a strict, strictly uh, following the moral standards of the, of the Varn Ashram, and he was preoccupied with transcendental life to the extent that when, when, when the moral life was presented to him by Ramananda Roy as being the ideal, he asked Ramananda Roy, what is the ideal of life? He said, oh, to follow the codes of the Varn Ashram, the moral life. Mahaprabhu said, eh, I'm not interested in that. That's not... That's not what life's about. But at the same time, he fully embraced it. To what he's like to say, oh, he rejected that. It's beyond that. But no, but he rejected it as an ideal, but he embraced it as part of the part of the means, in a sense. Although faith in bhakti, 
puts us above the Varnashram, that's true. It depends to the measure. It's, it's, it's relative to the measure of our, our faith in bhakti and our standing thereby that we become relieved from the moral ob obligations. And immediately, to the extent that we're relieved from moral obligations, we come under the obligations of bhakti, the, the rules of bhakti, as we were speaking earlier. And then from there, we can even transcend the rules, so to speak, of bhakti. So, here Mahaprabhu is telling, or it's not Goswami, such a dignified and noble person in our sampradaya, he's telling a bit of a, a bit of a white lie to this, uh, this fellow. And there are other more extreme examples of this kind of thing in, in the sampradaya. I like the example of Vasudev. Vasudev was the father of Krishna in, in, in uh, Mathura. And on his wedding day, there was an oracle that uh, came from the sky that said, Oh, the eighth son of your wife will bring about the death of the king, Kangsa. So Kangsa became outraged at this, and then he started to kill his own uh, sister, Devaki, the wife of, of Vasudev, on their marriage day. Vasudev stopped him first by philosophy, but that wouldn't hold him off. He said, well, look what you're doing. This is, this is you know, your own what's this, uh, relative, and you're killing her on her wedding day. And, uh, this is not very well thought out. What's going to be the result of this? He preached so much philosophy to him, but that did not entirely pacify Kansa. But when Vasudev said, okay, look, here's the thing. I promise you, I'll bring you the eighth child of Devaki, and you can do what you want with him. Because Vasudev's word, it was known by Kamsa, this guy is a goody two-shoes. He never lies. He's, he's good for his word. He's a morally upright person. This, this. So this is part of the character, you see, of a devotee. They have that character. And the, this big uh, nemesis, this big demon, Kamsa, hearing the promise of Vasudev, said, okay, that's good. This guy won't lie. But what happened when the eighth son of Devaki was born? What did Vasudev do? He took that child and in the middle of the night, escaped from the prison, went across the Jamuna and brought him to Vrindavan and put him in hiding. That was Krishna. He didn't deliver him. So there's a time for breaking one's word, and we're, it, it, we're, we're happy that he, that he did that. Sanatana Goswami says that uh, uh, previously I had done much for you. Now I'm in difficulty. Please return the goodwill by releasing me. Pancha sahasra mudratumi karangikar punyarta duilabha hoibe tomar. He says, look, I've got 5,000 gold coins. He did have some money, not in his possession, but hidden outside the prison. He says, you take them. And by releasing me, you will receive the results of pious activities and gain material profit as well. Lest you will profit in two ways at the same time. In this way, Sanatana Goswami convinced the jailkeeper, who replied, Please hear me, dear sir. I am willing to release you, but I am afraid 
of the government. Sanatan Kohe, Sanatan Goswami said, Tumina Kara Rajabhai. You don't have to worry about the government, about the king. Dakshingi Ache Jari Leitu Leitui Aoyai. He says he's gone to the south and Tanhare Kahio say Bhaya Kutte Gela Gangara Nikata Ganga Deki Jampadila. You just when he returns you just tell him that you released me to go to the uh the bank of the Ganges to answer the call of nature and I jumped in with all my shackles on and never never came up. He's going a little further here, he's telling him to lie to the to the uh, Raj when he returns. Aneka Dekila Talagna Poila Daduka Sohita Dubi Kahan Bohigela. Tell him I looked for him everywhere for a long time, but I could not find any trace of him. He jumped in with his shackles, and therefore he was drowned and washed away by the waves. So you can see this this man has no problem himself telling a lie, and Sanatana Goswami knows that. And if it's motivated by 5,000 gold coins, he's really starting to talk his language now, more than the religious language. That was, that was nice, but now you're getting serious here. Kichu bhai nahi ami e desha naroba darave shahana ami maka ke jaiba. There's no reason for you to be afraid. I shall not remain in this country. I'm going to dress like a like a daravesh, means like a like a Muslim mendicant, and go to the holy city of Mecca. I'll be out of here. There'll be no trace of me. He says, "Tatapi jabana mana prasana na dekila chatta." Hajara Mudratar Age Rashi Kahila. Sami could see that the mind of the mediator, mediator was not quite satisfied yet. So then he offered him 7,000 gold coins. Make it 7,000. This is a lot of money. As we'll hear later on, uh, a man was prepared to kill Sami for, for half a dozen or so gold coins. He's giving this man 7,000 gold coins. That's even today, if he had 7,000 gold coins, it would be uh, worth quite a bit. An ounce of coin, something like that. So when the mediators uh, heard this, then he, 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 that got him. He was attracted to that. He agreed, and that night he cut Sanatan's shackles and let him cross the Ganges. In this way, Sanatan Gosami was released. However, he was not able to walk along the path of the fortress, the main road, walking day and night by the back country to the, the jungles and so forth. He arrived at the hilly tract of land known as Patada. After reaching Patada, he met a landholder and submissively requested him to get him across the hilly tract of land. So we'll continue this tomorrow. What happened when he arrived at a distance from the place of his incarceration? as a fugitive, trying to reach, trying to catch up with, with uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, big thief, Krishna himself. <laughs> Any question? This is very wonderful to hear the history of such, uh, such important people in our lineage, what they did, what they went through in order to make this available for us and how how little we have to do 
thanks to them. Sridharmarsh once said that these Goswamis, they took stones, like jewels, stones, and in order to make a garland out of them, they drilled holes in the stones. That's the hard work. And they, what they left for us to do was just put the thread through. <coughs> That's all. I have a question. Yes. Who was Sanatana Goswami's Diksha Guru? Oh, um, I forget his name, actually. It's mentioned in uh, some of his writings. I think it's mentioned in the writings of Jiva Goswami also. But um, it's significant that... Um, but I don't remember that. There'd probably be a few Godias who would. It's not given much emphasis who his Diksha Guru was. After all, he was directly under the Siksha tutelage of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself. But um, I want to say Vachaspati something, maybe Madhusudan Vachaspati, something like that. And he does offer respects to him in, in, in his uh, writing. I think in his Bhagavatam Tika and Jiva Goswami also wrote a Tika on Bhagavatam. So there's some uh, interesting uh, type of uh, support for Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur's conception on on that the most important guru is the one that helps us the most, whether it be the initiating one or the instructing one, as may be the case. And uh, mostly in the lineages uh, or in the Gaudiya sects that stress the Diksha lineage, they they just accept Sanatana Goswami, Rupa Goswami as eternal associates of Mahaprabhu. That's the way they kind of get around that issue, and so everybody goes up to them if they're in a, if they're Jati Gosai, which is one of those types of lineages that comes from the Goswamis. Then it ends at the Goswamis rather than at their guru. From the, them, it goes to direct to Mahaprabhu. Another question. I, an observation, I was reading your book last night, uh, the Guru Parampara. Oh, yeah. And I was amazed at, at what uh, heroic people uh, these Goswamis were. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and through the uh, through the lineage uh, to uh, Bhakti uh, Siddhanta Saraswati mm -hmm. uh, Maharaj. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Things that they did required tremendous uh, integrity and, yeah. and courage. Right. And if uh, if uh, and that's the point. And to do that kind of thing, if they if they've got to um, tell a lie here or there, <laughs> it's 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 apparent that, that that there's a higher purpose involved. You follow? Yeah. They were such personal integrity. They were. That's an appropriate word. The heroes. They are heroes. What does it say? Hero? We sing it every morning. Kuhijana Shikshaka Nyasikula Nayaka. Mahaprabhu is Nyasikula Nayaka. Nayaka means hero. Hero or the sannyasis. There's no precedent of of any of the acharyas or the or anybody in our line uh not having a Diksha Guru, right? No. You know, a living Diksha Guru. There's no such precedent, no. Right. And uh, and in the Bhagavad 
the only bhakti is not to sannyas from Gorkashura Sabji, but that's the only but, but that's that's different. Right. And in the Bhagavad Prampara then very Shiksha gurus are mentioned. But um the uh the Acharyas in our line also had living Shiksha gurus as well. You know, I mean, most of them are they're right. mentioning uh, are are living or contemporaries, but mm-hmm. in the Bhagavad Prampara. And they had Diksha gurus. And they all had Diksha gurus that were right. living. And they had Shiksha gurus who were living, and they drew information from the previous Acharyas who they mm-hmm. considered their Shiksha gurus as well. Right. Right. And, um, okay. Yeah, they're pretty much surrounded by good, good advice. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sridhar said that the Bhagavad Prampara was uh, just like mentioning mountain peaks, you know, like uh, noting mountain peaks, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right, something like that? Yeah, like he gave an example. If you were to study science, then there'd be so many qualified scientists that have contributed, but in the string of the lights... Some will be big light, like Newton, right. know, Cop- Copernicus, Newton, Einstein. But uh, there's so many that in between there that are also, but their contributions were not to the extent that they would be heralded for all time and their names would be sung forever and, and so forth. But that doesn't mean that they weren't important and valuable and, and qualified. Also, the course of the Bhagavad Parampara of Bhakti Siddhanta, what he, what he means by that is, as I said, wherever you draw the most inspiration then and most help, that's going to be how you determine who's the most significant guru in your life. So you might be initiated by someone, just like sometimes uh, people get initiated when they're kids and they don't understand much and then it comes to the, uh, later that they become an association of, a, of another sadhu and he helps them much more and so forth and he becomes the prominent uh, guru in, in their lives. Bhakti Siddhanta, his own situation was that he was, what he was initiated, well he got Harinam, the holy name from Bhakti Vinod and Bhakti Vinod told him to get the Diksha from Gorkishore. So he had the two influences. Bhakti Vinod was just like, more like a Siksha guru Gorkashore is Das Babaji's initiating guru. So he claimed a connection to what Bhaktivinoda was talking about. And people would say, well, if you're not in the Diksha line of Bhaktivinoda, how can you even claim that connection? But it's obviously that his work, his life's work was to establish the desires of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, and he was successful in it. So this is a spiritual kind of logic that uh, he was using. Kind of a common sense spiritual logic is is a is a much a common sense which unfortunately is not always so common. It's a rare commodity. We tend to get caught up in externals and technicalities and so forth. His whole Bhagavad Guru Parampara concept was a substance over form type of a, uh, emphasis at a time when the a corruption in the Sampradaya had come to an extent that people were making a trade, a business, out of being gurus. And so that you'd become their guru, that means you had to give your money to them and support them, and they're making a livelihood out of it. And he said, this is really not what it's all about. And uh, 
So he, he sought to critique that, the, the tradition and the, the state that it had fallen into to some extent in some places. And of course that wasn't very popular. That was revolutionary. But it was basically spiritual common sense and appropriate. And we have to apply the same spiritual common sense in a dynamic way in today's world, even in his own group, to be vital. That's the, that's the dynamic lesson. Anything else? Okay, let's stop there. Chaitanya Charitamrita Ki Jai.